Welcome to Here to Fuck Spiders, hosted by myself, Hannah, and Alicia. Hello. We are a couple of queer Australian health professionals, and we're here to discuss all things related to sexual health, education, and exploration. Hi, hey, hello. I am popping in now to give a little disclaimer. Okay, peeps, please be aware that we're going to discuss explicit and sexual themes at times. This might include sensitive topics such as sexual assault and violence. Also, we are Australian, so we do swear, sometimes quite a lot. If this is not for you, feel free to keep scrolling. Also, please keep in mind that although we do have health degrees, we are by no means subject matter experts, and this is not a replacement for therapy or other medical interventions. If anything discussed in this podcast brings something up for you or raises any concerns, please discuss with the relevant medical professionals in your area. The intention of this podcast is to share experiences and hold space for discussion to educate and raise awareness for all. That being said, we are human, so we're going to fuck up occasionally, but we are here to learn, so please feel free to reach out and let us know when we don't get something right, but please be nice about it. Welcome, ladies, gents, and gentle queers, back to Here to Fuck Spiders for our final installment of the Boundaries episode. Woo, woo, woo. So exciting. <laughs> <laughs> this one was a long one, but mm. I think it was, it was worth it. I feel like it lays the foundations for lots of the things yeah. that we will talk about yeah. in future episodes. Absolutely. Good content. <laughs> Good content. <laughs> give, give, myself a, so myself. give yourselves a pat on the back. <laughs> Love that for us. <laughs> So, today's episode is going to be largely focused around what to do when boundary setting goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, or so, really, like, the responses that can come about when you've set yeah. boundaries. Yeah, the challenges, mm. yeah. the difficulties, the how, difficulties. We, how we navigate that. Yeah, On the receiving end, more so. Because I guess we've done yeah. lots on the, like, the setting the boundary, and now mm. we're doing that on the receiving end of the boundary. Mm. And also the aftermath of setting that boundary. So if somebody's reacting really negatively to your boundary. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean... Let's start this off by chatting about what has been maybe your worst or some of your worst or funniest experiences with boundaries, Alicia. Mm. Funniest, worst boundaries. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know that I've had, I mean, to really call myself out, I'm normally just not great at setting them. Yeah, okay. (laughs) From the startup. So I haven't had any like huge blow-ups because I feel like I normally negotiate in ways that avoid Mm -hmm. a lot of confrontation. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like more so it's not really like a like a really bad one or anything but something that I've noticed is that I I struggle in my romantic life to like to be the receiver of the boundary like and it's like funny because it's sort of like my logical brain will be like that is completely a fair response like on their part like mm-hmm. be like that is fair I asked you know I asked a question mm-hmm. you responded with whatever you were feeling I'm mm-hmm. like that's okay I res- like I respect the boundary but then like little leash inside me goes ah! <laughs> <laughs> and gets very sad yeah absolutely. and so it's like I'm still like learning how to not take boundaries as rejection even though logically I know yeah I, I know it yeah but 
my feelings have not caught up to the knowing yet. Yeah. Is what I've figured out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what about what about you? You got any funny stories or any any ones that were really hard? Um funny, not so much, I guess. Um so like I a lot of my learning about boundaries happened like quite early mm-hmm. in my life, around fifteen, sixteen. I sort of went through a <laughs> rebellious teen phase, shall we say? There was a lot of context for that, which we're not going to go into. But like, I basically had this period of my life where I essentially like put it down to the ground mm. because there was a lot of people in my life that did not respect boundaries or me as a human being Mm. and so I kind of told everyone to go fuck themselves yeah fuck them and (laughs) (laughs) see you later I'll see you never yeah basically and it was a really interesting transformative experience for me that kind of set the tone for how I set boundaries Mm. for the rest of my life and I think that that's really where I came from in terms of like I'm quite good at setting a boundary um but sometimes I can struggle with like keeping that boundary Mm. or receiving boundaries the same. Like Mm. I I very much experience that as rejection. Um, Is that where Patricia was born? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. um, So for you, dear listener, (laughs) who's not aware, Patricia is, is what we have coined uh, my alter ego. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry to out you on the podcast. If you don't want to talk about Patricia, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Um, so for you, dear listener, I don't actually have dissociative identity disorder. I simply have, um, an ability to advocate very strongly for people who may be subject to, I guess, inequity, um, which is a skill that I've used across my academic career. I've used it for my friends in various Mm. legal situations. Many of us have benefited from Patricia. Yeah, and I guess we we term um, the alter ego that comes out when I am doing those sorts of things as Patricia, Mm -hmm. um, because that's a badass bitch Mm. name. She's a sassy lady. She She gets it done. She certainly is, yeah. (laughs) But yes, I think Patricia was born when I was like 15, 16 and realised that a lot of people in my life, their their love was very conditional. Yeah. And it was conditional based on, you know, me continuing to do the things that they expect me to do or... Um, continue to be the person that they think I am or that they want me to be. Mm-hmm. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, fuck this, fuck you all. Yeah. And kind of told everyone exactly that and burned my whole life to the ground. <laughs> but in a good way, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. <laughs> and I mean, now it means that you've been able to cultivate yeah. the the people that you want to exactly. be around. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So I certainly had a few horrific experiences in that time. And I mean, you know, I'm not going to say that I did everything right. I absolutely didn't. At, you know, 15, 16, I did not have the best interpersonal skills yet, mm. as any 15, 16-year-old doesn't. And I think that definitely didn't help. But certainly there were scenarios where, you know, I set the boundary with people verbally. They didn't acknowledge it. I set the va- the boundary like mm. in a more assertive way verbally. They didn't acknowledge it. I then set the boundary with my behavior by cutting off contact. And then those people rocked up at my doorstep screaming at me. Mm. So there was definitely times when you you really saw, I guess, how people – can escalate to the point where they look genuinely unhinged and genuinely Mm. unwell. And it's a bit like taking the veil off and starting to see the world clearly for the first Mm. time when you see people having these extreme, extreme reactions to 
your own just setting a boundary yeah. for your own like mental health or well-being in a boundary that's like really quite reasonable Absolutely. and they have such a huge reaction to it mm. um so that yeah that was certainly like bad but good i mean stressful mm. to have at the time tough as a <laughs> fucking 15 16 year old yeah yeah but, but i mean you know learned really, a lot of important lessons really helpful when when talking about this this Absolutely. week's episode yeah <laughs> and i guess leads us quite well into our um first question yeah uh what are some tips for receiving a boundary <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so as like i guess as we talked about we both struggle with receiving a boundary when someone's setting a boundary with us it can feel like rejection so I think that's like one of the main challenges to get over because if you feed into that feeling of rejection then it can come out of you as anger towards mm. that person who's trying to set a boundary with you also sorry dear listener if I'm a bit uh husky at the moment I am still getting over a cold mm. so I might sound a little bit like it's all right we're into it an underground jazz singer <laughs> <laughs> just get, bear get with you me sing some jazz towards the end <laughs> really wrap it up yeah okay <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that taking some time away from the person before you give a response, if Mm. that's possible or appropriate, can help because it can help the intensity of your feeling Mm. reduce so that you have some time to sort of let that settle, maybe talk about it with some other people outside of the situation as well to see if they're being reasonable. Use your accountability buddy. Yeah, get some perspective about it Mm. because I think that's a that is quite a big thing as well is that as the person setting the boundary, it's not your job to emotionally babysit the person receiving it. Yeah. Obviously like with consideration, with respect. Yeah. But like, I think as the receiver, it is like something to remember that like you, you do need to acknowledge the things that come up for you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it is a hard one. And I think this will vary across different relationships how much obligation there is from each party to Mm. each other because Mm -hmm. I think that if say for example you're in a relationship with someone and let's say Alex is trying to set a boundary with Sam and Sam is feeling really hurt and confused in that scenario I would say that Sam does have a right to ask questions of Alex as to Mm -hmm. why or how Mm -hmm. and Alex does have a responsibility to provide explanations without that necessarily becoming Alex babysitting Sam through that process yes absolutely so yeah. It is from situation to situation. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. situation based. Um do you have any other tips? Um I guess like just considering that you as we're sort of talking about how Mm-hmm. For you, you learn how to set boundaries, or you know, mm. you went through that process quite young. Yeah. Um, for lots of people, I feel like it might be still quite a new concept. Yes. So even just being aware that, you know, maybe this is one of the first few times they're trying out setting a boundary, and like having some grace for the fact that it might not come out properly. Mm. They could be setting it when they're like quite angry or emotional. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess just like leaving some room for that, as far as yeah. like if. You know, if the conversation doesn't go super smoothly, being able to address it later as well. Mm. Sort of like you said, t- take a step back. Mm. And if you think it actually, like, needs a bit more time to mm. come back and, like, be able to, like, lead with love and acceptance, mm. like, maybe maybe that's helpful rather mm. than having to address it head on at the time if mm. it is, like, quite a big conflict. Absolutely. And I think that's a really common scenario because most people tend to be quite avoidant of conflict mm. that they can leave it 
you know, something might be bothering them and it, it'll stack up and up mm. and up and up until they get absolutely fed up. And then when they're fed up, that's when they actually address it. So mm. they might be coming at you with this boundary and a whole lot of remo- emotions and resentment yeah. that they hadn't processed before because mm. they were just avoiding actually dealing with yeah, it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And then it's like it can be so hard to know sort of like where it's all coming from if you're mm-hmm. like you know receiving the boundary and, and it comes in in your brain quite left field yeah where for this person maybe they think that they have you know noticed these things along the way but if you haven't been talked to about mm-hmm. it it's it can be quite difficult to sort of sift through which parts are like okay yes that's fair yeah i understand where this is coming from and then the parts that you're like okay maybe i actually don't understand where this part is like yeah. And you might not know that during the conversation. So, like, just if you need to come back to it or, you know, if it's more of, like, you want to send them a text and be like, hey, like, I've reflected over this stuff. Mm. Can we, like, have a chat about this afterwards? Mm. You know, like, sometimes Mm. that can be helpful. Absolutely. And I think also having the just rip the Band-Aid off mentality Mm. as far as openness and honesty goes with these conversations. I think that it's far better to just have everything out in the open and Mm. maybe you didn't say things perfectly than it is to go, oh, we're not going to talk about it because I don't want to fuck things up. Yeah. Um, And even that can help in terms of if you notice someone is setting a boundary, maybe not verbally, maybe they're doing it physically or with their behaviour, you know, if you've noticed that something's changed, Mm. then you... If you have that attitude of openness and, and honesty and transparency, you can actually say to that person, hey, I've noticed that you are doing X or mm. you're no longer doing X. Do we need to chat about that? Yeah. You I know? think so, coming from a place of curiosity can mm. be really helpful instead mm-hmm. of judgment. Yeah. Because I think it can be it can be like a natural instinct, I guess, sometimes for us to come from a perspective that is it like from assumption Mm -hmm. to be like oh well they're doing this because of this Mm -hmm. where you might not actually have the full picture so Mm -hmm. like being able to come from a more curious perspective Mm. um whether you're the receiver or the giver of the boundary Mm. i think can take away you know the passive aggressiveness that can come from that yeah i always like to think of trying to frame it as learning which Mm. always sounds really wanky and for those of you who've like been to uni i know this is probably really triggering that every experience is a learning experience but if you like frame it as learning within your relationships i think that that can somehow sometimes take the criticism out of it so if someone says to you i really need you to start doing x or Mm. i really need you to stop doing x Mm. if i approach that conversation from an angle of I'm still learning how to be with this person and yes. how to love this person or they're still learning how, how to, to support me or support be there me. for me yeah, yeah absolutely then it, it take it becomes less I failed them mm. or I've done the wrong thing it's more just we're still dialing it in yeah and, and it's fine I think it also helps to keep you on the same side yeah like it can be then it's like well then the two of us are working to solving this problem mm-hmm. together instead of it's me versus you or me versus the problem mm-hmm. yeah like I guess that is specifically in well I mean in any relationship that you're yeah. addressing that in it doesn't yeah. have to be romantic yeah but realistically having the ability to do all these things like these mental reframings, mm. it all hinges on being able to take some time out when mm. you're feeling really intense emotions and then being able to reason through them either by yourself or with another support person and being able to use your own like self-soothing yeah. strategies to bring the intensity of that down. Yeah. Um, Can be helpful to like journal it out, mm-hmm. see what comes up for you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Find your strategies that work for you when you're dealing with it with, with really difficult emotions and apply them Mm. do you have a strategy that you use 
It's it depends on the emotion. Yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes I like a good distract, and sometimes I like a good wallow. Like yeah. it really <laughs> gets in the bath, turns yeah. on the sad playlist. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. I'm a sucker for like, if I'm really mad, I'll put on my heavy metal tracks, oh, you know, yeah. and we just scream it out. Yeah. <laughs> Very cathartic though. But yeah, you have to um, find what works for you across different situations mm. because some will be a wallow and some will be a distract and some yeah. will be, uh, yeah, chat to another, call your support person. Yes, absolutely. Phone a friend. <laughs> mm. Phone a friend. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any good strategies that you like to use? Um, I guess the same depends on the scenario. I'm definitely like a sucker for a sad girl poem. Like if I'm feeling like big, big, like distressing, overwhelming under the umbrella of like the sad, Mm. anxious feelings. Mm -hmm. Normally I'm like a, or even like really frustrated. I'm more of like a, I'll journal it out, but like in poem form and it'll be like very dramatic, very intense. Yeah. Um, and I just find that then like being able to read over it. Like, because I sort of like will read over it and edit it and Mm. make it until I'm sort of like kind of happy with how it writes, which actually then helps me distance myself from the feelings. Mm. And so then like often afterwards, I'm like, wow, that was super dramatic of me and I'm not feeling as intense anymore, (laughs) (laughs) which like I find quite helpful like later on to be able to like reflect on some of the writing and be like, wow, I don't, I don't feel that anymore. But at the time that was like all encompassing. Yes. And I find that quite therapeutic. Yeah, mm. I find that one quite helpful too, actually. Mm. Yeah, I do like the like being able to read back over the intensity of the emotion at a later date and go, wow, I'm so emo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it just feels like, like again, cringy, but like, oh, the growth on her, yeah. you know? Like, you <laughs> the read perspective. it, the perspective, you read it like a couple of weeks later, and I'm like, wow, that really mattered to me. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay it's not a big deal it wasn't a big deal you know like but but that was like an important part of the process Mm. you know yeah Mm. absolutely (laughs) um what are the ways that people respond to setting a boundary so when someone is setting a boundary with another person Mm -hmm. how would the uh one receiving the boundary respond what what are are some likely options Mm. um we could get a yes yep for whatever it is. It That's could be, what we're hoping for. We would like an agreeable response potentially or even mm-hmm. like a um, a please clarify, I guess, can be helpful yeah. as well. Like maybe yeah. it's a, oh, yes, I, like, I, I think I know what you're asking for, but could you explain how this applies in this context or mm-hmm. um, how I can support you better in this way can mm. also be helpful. And really this is ideal. This is the dream. Oh, this is the dream response yeah, is yeah. like the – and this is also like – the dream response with the follow-up action because we really want someone who like act, we actively listen, we engage in the conversation. And then Mm -hmm. if you have the ability to out the time or later go, okay, yeah, that's reasonable. I understand what you're asking Mm. of me. Um, I, I want to be able to address it in these ways. Yeah. Sort of like an action plan. (laughs) Absolutely. Aim to be this person, folks. Like I think that's, that's the ideal response. Um, and I guess when you're practicing, you're setting your boundaries, you want to start with the people that you think, are likely to respond like that yes. as well. Yeah. Because, you know, we all know those people in our lives who are more likely to be, like, happy to engage in the conversation versus, like, blocking it out. So, yeah, start on your easies. Um, <laughs> start on your friends that have shit boundaries themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's, I guess, like, the 
the idea response. The yes. other the other way people could respond is just like a flat out no. Yeah. They might be like, fuck um, you, I'm not doing that. Yeah, they might be just like, fuck you, I'm not doing that. And depending on the boundary and wh- who this person is, mm-hmm. that might have to change the dynamics of your relationship if yeah. it's something that is not flexible for you. Like if it's something that you really need, then it might mean that you guys are in a different form of relationship or you don't address this topic anymore or, yeah. you know, that then has to be a consideration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it also may need further clarification because they might be like, no, I'm not doing it. And it actually just means that you need to explain what you've said more. They might not understand your perspective Mm. enough. Mm. Um, the other response that people could do is just like potentially like not really acknowledging the boundary and just continuing with the behavior. Yeah. So like, let's say you sent a text to your mum saying, Hey, I really need you to not just drop around whenever Mm. I need you to let me know when you're coming. And then she just doesn't respond. Mm. And then maybe next week she rocks up at your house and just pretends that the message never arrived. Yeah. And like acts normal and acts fine. And so then it's like, okay, well I tried to send a text. (laughs) Maybe I'll address it in conversation you know yeah. like yeah because i think that's one that in messages can off like that can be mm-hmm. that's quite easy to do yes is that you'll send something and you're like oh they've definitely received it yeah but then like but they can do the whole oh i didn't see it i sorry. didn't see it or oh, i'm sorry i forgot you know yeah. like yeah. whatever it is yeah um otherwise it could be that actually they've said yes so like they did all of the Oh, I understand. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Yes. Tell me more. That's, that's, that's super so interesting. Fair. I didn't know you felt that way. Didn't realize that I was doing that. Uh-huh. And then there's actually not a behavior change. Yeah. They keep doing the same shit. Yeah. <laughs> and like, sometimes I think it can actually be like, like it's, it's not, it's an excuse, but it's not an excuse, but like old habits are hard to break. Yeah. In a way of like, I think some people it's almost like on, depending what you're addressing, it could mm-hmm. be like unconscious behavior. It could be years and years of habit. Mm. Um, and it might just take another addressing of like, hey, that's the thing that we talked about. Yes. Um, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. But it also could just mean that they've actually just tried to avoid conflict. Yeah. And they integrally do not agree with the boundary. Yeah. Um, so it just means that you probably will have to address it again. Yeah. You know? It's so true. Like it then becomes your job as the boundary setter to try and work out, okay, are they agreeing but they're not doing it because they're an asshole? Yeah. <laughs> Or are they agreeing and not doing it because they're actually finding it difficult to change their behaviour yeah. because of ingrained habits? Or did they like not understand actually, mm, you know, maybe what I was actually what I was actually about. talking about yeah. the specific scenarios? Is it a case yeah. of like it's helpful, you know, and this might be a discussion that you have that like it's helpful to bring up the situation when it happens Mm. you know i've had some conversations with people in the past where they'll be like oh like can you think of a specific time or Mm. blah blah blah. when did i do that name one time (laughs) what do you mean yeah (laughs) and so then like and it becomes but they're actually like they are agreeable to it they just like genuinely seem a bit at a loss yes and so then it's a discussion of being like okay well are you comfortable Mm. with like when it happens that i go hey this is the thing I was talking about. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that can be more difficult because often the emotions are heightened yes. as a scenario, but yeah. like that is also an option Yeah. then. 100%. Um, and then the other option, I guess, that you might get is gaslighting, is yeah. that you just might have someone sort of turn around and be like, you, you didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen. Don't know what you're talking about. Did you record it? I don't do that. You got pictures? So... <laughs> Let's talk about gaslighting. Yeah, let's talk about gaslighting. Um, uh, what is gaslighting? <laughs> well, 
Let me give you a definition oh, that I prepared It's almost like earlier. she pre-prepared it, folks. Ooh, <laughs> she did research. Um, <laughs> so gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation in which the abuser attempts to sow self-doubt and confusion in their victim's mind. Typically, gaslighters are seeking to gain power and control over the person by distorting reality and forcing them to question their own judgment and intuition. Mm-hmm. Which doesn't sound fun, no, does it? And if you, if anyone out there has had experiences with gaslighters, you will, you will be aware yeah. of how unfun this is. Absolutely, <laughs> I think it's also a word that started to be thrown around quite a lot in mm. our current cultural mm. time. Place, yeah, thank you. Cultural <laughs> time and place. I really, really, really lost the end of that. Didn't <laughs> right. We tried to pick it up. <laughs> Do you know where the origins came from? Yes. So way back in the day, I think it was the 1930s, 40s, I think it Mm. started as a play and then it became a movie called Gaslight. And essentially there's a dude uh, and a woman that he's married to that Mm -hmm. are the main characters and the dude essentially convinces his wife that she is crazy um, through the gaslight. What a guy. So, what a guy. What a catch, ladies and gents and gentle queers. <laughs> we are all aiming for that kind of relationship. So basically he, like, convinces her that the dimming of the gaslight is a figment of her imagination. Oh. And, like, it sends her insane by the end of the play slash film right. and I, I can't remember and there's been a lot of adaptations mm. so i think in one of them he's like cheating on her and then he's trying to make like disqualify right. anything that she might say or make her like uh, like making her question all of these things yeah making her question herself but also making everybody else question her credibility as well mm. and i think that's where it can become a big part of like narcissistic abuse mm. or coercive control mm. is where they try to make you look it, like discredible to anyone else around you. So not only are you questioning yourself and whether this is re- really happening or whether your own perspectives are twisted, but you can't get help either because yeah, everybody right. else starts to think that you're crazy mm-hmm. or that you're unstable or you're whatever. I mean, like you're there questioning yourself anyways, mm-hmm. and then you're also getting backed up by everyone else being like, yeah, you are a bit. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. you are. Yeah. Not really. You're not right. Mm. You're not, you're not right. <laughs> a few kangaroos short of the top paddock. Love. <laughs> That's my grandma would say. <laughs> Tell me you're Australian without telling me you're Australian. <laughs> One tinny shorter six pack. <laughs> Incredible. Amazing. They yeah. say we don't have culture. Honestly. <laughs> yeah, so I think it gets thrown around a lot these days. Mm. People have sort of coined this term and started applying it to everything. Yeah. And, I mean, I think it is a behaviour that has been quite mainstream amongst certain types of relationships. Yeah. And that's probably why we're hearing about it so much because people are starting to realise that certain things are not okay and we're mm. not going to accept certain relationship dynamics that have been going on for so long. Yeah. Um, but we also do need to be, I think, a little bit careful about how yeah, we labelling. use it. Labeling everything as gaslighting is yeah. not appropriate. And it also like discredits how intense and severe gaslighting is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're just throwing it around as anytime someone doesn't agree with you mm. or like doesn't remember an instance that you've spoken about potentially, you know, like yes. not from a harmful place. Yes. 
And you can also get into this weird feedback loop where if you start accusing someone of gaslighting, you can actually be gaslighting them by telling them that they're gaslighting. (laughs) We're all just in a campfire now, aren't we? It's gasception. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we do need to be a bit, I think we should be a bit more careful about how we use it um, Mm. and also realise that somebody might be gaslighting unintentionally Yes, as well. Yeah. So, what are some things that you like? What are some common phrases or things that you might see or hear? Yeah. I mean, hear from like someone who's gaslighting someone. Mm. Well, I think particularly that example that we just talked about, where mm. someone set, tries to set a boundary with someone, and they might agree, mm-hmm. but then they don't actually put in the work to change the behaviour, or perhaps they haven't even had the sort of self reflection to realise when they're doing the behaviour. Mm. That you then, when you bring it up with them again, they'll go no, I haven't, or I've been trying really hard or you're not being fair or Mm. something like that because they're actually just not taking accountability Mm. for their own part in the behaviour or whatever it is that they're doing. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any good examples? Um, hmm. I I guess like some of it's just like the the throwing it back at you sort of thing. I feel like some of that can come under gaslighting sometimes. If you, again, like you're bringing up the boundary and they're like, and it's just like a big emotional outburst though. Like mm-hmm. as far as like, what, what are you talking about? We never spoke about that. Mm. Like I, you know, I, I, I've always wanted to do right by you. You're not giving yeah. me a chance. Yeah. Like, lots of that sort of. I think a big feature of it is the making you feel guilty mm. for raising a concern. So, okay. Let's say a good example would be, uh, we've got Alex and Sam. Mm-hmm. Sam is, is feeling a bit insecure because Alex has a really attractive friend that they're spending Mm. a lot of time with and Sam has been cheated on in the past so Mm. has this insecurity right and Sam might say to Alex hey look I've been having these feelings I'm not saying that you are cheating I'm just saying that this is making me feel a bit nervous Mm. and insecure and I wanted to talk to you about it And if Alex was a gaslighter, Alex would turn around and go, this is ridiculous, Sam. Mm. You're just saying this because you've been cheated on on in the past and you need to get over it. It's Mm. not me. Mm. That was someone else. I treat you so well. Yeah. So in this example, Mm. Alex has never actually stopped to hear what Sam is saying, Mm. hasn't validated Sam's Mm. feelings, hasn't been empathetic or caring about Sam's feelings at all, Mm. has just turned around and attacked Sam for the fact that they have had feelings mm. <laughs> or, or like how negative. dare you how dare you how or dare the- you let your insecurities exist in your brain so alex has just interpreted that immediately as a criticism and an accusation mm. of you are cheating on me mm. and has gone full attack and weaponized it back against sam and weaponized sam's past mm. to make sam feel guilty for even raising it in the first place yeah. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we're not actually arguing over whether you are cheating or whether Sam's feeling insecure. Mm. We're suddenly arguing about Sam's apparent tendency that Alex has inferred to see everyone as cheating. So we've already distorted the argument so much away from what it actually was in the first place. So that's kind of the manipulation of Mm. gaslighting. And then if, if Alex was like a real piece of shit... Alex would actually be cheating with this other person yeah. and would still pull that same shit. That would be like the pinnacle of a gaslight. Yeah. 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 It really just makes me reflect over some past relationships. <laughs> oh, no. Have, have we triggered something? <laughs> no, it's just like, 
You, I laugh now, but I yeah. feel like it's one of those things that, like, when if they're common interactions that you've had in relationships, mm-hmm. it's not until you're in a different scenario mm-hmm. that you realize it. Yeah. Like, I remember even just being with, like, my current partner and those sort of conversations of, like, yes. hey, I'm noticing these thought patterns around certain things. Yes. Nothing to do with you. I just, like... Yeah, just where feeling, my, I'm just feeling vulnerable. Literally, just yeah. like, this is where my head's at and having them actually t- like just turn around and be like, that's okay. Like, do you want to talk about it? What can I do to be more supportive? Like, Absolutely. blah, blah, blah. You know, like, mm. and like, and not even wanting to have that conversation from the like, I know I'm being ridiculous. I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And you're like almost doing it to yourself because yeah. you're like, oh, oh, because you've been conditioned because you're like waiting, you're waiting for the response so in the past. You, you're already doing the, oh no, I'm a crazy bitch. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. I just wanted to tell you, but like, I know I'm ridiculous for thinking <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. Ugh, gross. So that's gaslighting. <laughs> Don't do it. And that, that's a way that you might have reactions, but it's some things to look out for. Yeah. So that you you know who you are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, we just had a few notes about like some flags that might you might see in a gaslighter. One of them was unreasonable, overdramatic, or the mm. phrase, you owe me an apology. Mm. Do we want to unpack that a little bit more? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. We do. Um, I feel like the you mm. owe me a, an apology mm. one is sort of like a, a classic that I've come back to is yeah. like, it'll be like you coming to someone yeah. with a scenario that's totally reasonable and mm-hmm. you're being quite reasonable in your approach. Yeah. And then you leave it feeling really bad. Yeah. Like you did something wrong and yes. you have actually ended up being the one that's apologizing. Yes. Even yeah. though they're the one that had behavior that was violating your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I think even being made to feel guilty about, raising a difficult topic or having a difficult conversation particularly along the lines of we were having such a nice day yeah and you just ruined it Mm. because unfortunately relationships are work they are Mm. and sometimes you need to have difficult conversations and talk about difficult shit and it's not always fun Mm. if you wanted fun also pay for it (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but also like and like maybe this is me just being like a weird emotional human being but like I quite like emotional chats like oh yeah like from that perspective of like I really enjoy the conversations where you get to be really vulnerable because then I feel way closer to the people and so Mm. like as much as like you know we're having a good day like I'm just like that adds to my good day. No, I 100% agree. Like, I think healthy conflict can make people feel closer and Mm. have a deeper understanding of each other Mm. but I think a lot of people don't necessarily know how to do that or maybe they don't know how to soothe soothe themselves Mm. after that conflict and so Mm. it just is like and also you know we as a society have this like holistic branding of any kind of conflict or any challenging emotions as bad and Mm. you should avoid it all the time yes and i don't believe that that is healthy to say well you should always avoid feeling sad or angry Mm. or any of those like more challenging emotions they're all essential and they're there for a reason yes but we haven't been socialized with how to deal with them in a healthy way. We've just mm. been told, like, try to avoid them and buy more shit to make yourself happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah gets political. <laughs> just for a change. <laughs> oh. um, you had yeah. a good example that we mm. talked about um, mm-hmm. before um, about vagueness. Right. Do Did you want <laughs> <laughs> This is an example of vagueness. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to say we can use that as a Sam and Alex scenario. That, yeah. Um, oh, was that... No, that wasn't with the the mum example. I've already used that example. Yeah, no, no we I really about, am showing that's, vagueness. That's, <laughs> that's so okay. Sorry. No, we just talked about it um, off off air before the podcast um, about a scenario where I'll try and restate oh, it. I think I remember. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I can I can cling it together, I'm but so sorry. you word it well. Okay, so we've got. Alex and Sam mm-hmm. and they're in a relationship mm-hmm. and Sam is checking in with Alex mm-hmm. saying, hey, Alex, we're in this long-term relationship. Is everything going the direction you want it to? Mm. Are you still committed to this relationship? Are we still like making plans? Mm. I don't want to get a mortgage with you if this ain't like, if this ain't it, let yeah. me know, right? Are still happy? Yeah. And then Alex is saying something along the lines of, well, I have no intentions of going somewhere else or um, I'm really happy where I am right now. Mm. Or, um, you know, I have no intentions of leaving you. You Mm. don't need to worry. Mm -hmm. And then later, let's say that Alex actually pulls the plug Mm. and Sam is left going, what happened Mm. there? Well, what? And then Alex might use that as a, well, I never actually said that I was committed to this. I never actually said that I was definitely going to want to buy a house with you. I never actually said that I was definitely going to be here. Mm. I only said that in that moment, Mm. I didn't feel like doing anything else. Yeah. So that would be also another example of gaslighting where basically Mm. someone has been deliberately vague and evasive to not make a commitment Mm. so that they could then later use the loophole that they've given themselves, essentially. It's very smart. It's Oh, you have to be clever. It's very clever. Like, any time I, like, look into this sort of stuff, Mm -hmm. like, it is a ridiculous amount of mental work to be a good gaslighter. Mm. Yeah. People who manipulate are generally... Very intelligent. So intelligent, people. yeah. Yeah. That's... This is not me praising a gaslighter, <laughs> just saying I'm just just reflecting on the fact it's a lot of fucking well, work. I think it's that argument about like great and terrible things, right? People can do great things that are still terrible, mm. as in they can do things that are impressive that mm-hmm. are still terrible. But it doesn't mean you should. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, so that would that would be an example sometimes where people might be doing that deliberately mm-hmm. or they might not be doing that deliberately. They might not actually know the answer and so they might be evasive mm. and then that ends up feeling gaslighty when they change their opinion later mm. and then say, oh, well, I never actually committed to that. Mm. And in this scenario, I think it's it's up to both people. I mean, it's up to the original person to... I guess, try and be fair about how much commitment they're able to give and be really upfront about that. Mm -hmm. And it's also up to the person receiving the boundary to, I I guess, essentially be really firm on what they deserve Mm -hmm. and say, well, no, I actually need you to answer that more completely. I actually need you to give me an answer on this because I deserve that because Mm. I can't make plans without... Without knowing. An answer on this, mm-hmm. whether that is about whether you're committed to this relationship or whether it's about something else. Yeah. You are allowed to say to someone, actually, no, I need you to answer that more fully. And if you're not able to answer that more fully, maybe that changes our plans. Mm. Maybe that changes the way that we approach our relationship in future. Mm-hmm. Um, which goes back to what we mentioned in the last episode about often these conversations are ultimatums. Mm. Um, and and it's it's a hard one. 
because nobody likes giving an ultimatum. And I think this is also another reason why people can avoid the conversation around boundaries so much because we're taught that ultimatums are bad things, but they can't, they, they can be, but they don't always have to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that if they're done in a loving and understanding way and in a fair way, mm. they're a inevitable part of every healthy relationship yeah. because we all have deal breakers. And we're all supposed to and allowed to have deal breakers. And, like, sometimes you don't know it's a deal breaker Mm. until it's happened. Yes. As well. Like, and so it's not that you lied. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes you get in a scenario and then you're like, shit, this is not, you know, long term. Yeah. This doesn't make sense for me. Yeah. Like, or something changes in your scenario and you're like, I'm now looking at things differently. Yeah. You know, and all you can do is bring it up. When you're aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where having that ultimatum conversation can actually be helpful because if Sam said to Alex, no, Alex, I really need you to answer this question. Are you committed or not? Mm. And Alex said to them genuinely, look, I really don't know right now. Then Sam can make a much more informed decision because they know exactly where they're Mm. at rather than going on the previous sort of inferred likelihood that the relationship was going to continue and just kind of like guessing and hoping on that and then ending up with hurt feelings. Yeah. They can make a much more accurate assessment Mm -hmm. of where they're going. Um, I think the other example that we wanted to talk about with gaslighting is just the flat out denial that the conversation ever happened at Mm. all. So that would be say, Um, Sam had said to Alex, hey, I really need to know that you're going to be okay to come to my family's for Christmas this year. And then Christmas rolls around and Alex is like, oh, no, we're going to my family's this Mm. year. And Sam's like, but we had that conversation. And Alex goes, no, we didn't. Mm. What do you mean? I don't remember that. Mm. That didn't happen. That never happened. (laughs) Yeah. Have you had any experiences with this, Leash? Oh. I, I have had had some of those scenarios, not not the specific Christmas one, um, but I've I've had scenarios like that where it's the what what are you talking about, and then it's the layered on as well. It's then the what so you don't prioritize, you don't care about this mm. thing. So in that scenario, you don't care about my family. Yeah, yeah. You don't respect them. What do yeah. you not like them? Yeah. Like you didn't want to come. Do you not actually care about us? Yeah. This is really important to me. Now yeah. you're hurting my feelings. You yeah. know, like yeah. in whatever scenario it is. It's like a that. And yes. then just sprinkle on some more. Absolutely. So we've got the like flat out denial that the conversation ever happened. And then they're like playing to your guilts mm. and playing to the fact that you care mm. about them to distort the argument into something that it's not even about. Mm. It wasn't even about whether you like their family or not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I was just asking if you were coming to my family. Because so yeah. <laughs> you said you were six months yeah. ago. But you can see how quickly these discussions like spiral and devolve into yeah. an argument that's not even making any sense. Yeah. Which is also why, like, I think, you know, obviously it took us a little while to get through the setting of boundaries at the start, mm-hmm. but it's why I think when you're coming into these conversations, especially if you're new to making boundaries, having things like a couple dot points of the things that you want to stick to and address yes. is so important so your conversation doesn't get completely derailed. Yes, absolutely. You know? And not everyone's going to be dealing with people who are gaslighting them, mm. but I think 
think it is like helpful to like be aware of certain traits and behaviors. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Um, what do we do when we have someone who's saying, oh, yes, no, I understand. I completely get where you're coming from. I'm so sorry that I did that. Please tell me what I can do better mm. next time. And then a week later, they're up to the same shit. Mm. Mm-hmm. What do we do with those characters? I guess there's a few things mm-hmm. we can do. Yeah. Um, everyone can pick and choose, obviously, again, specific to your scenario and how yes. intense it is yeah. and what how, what sort of violation that you're experiencing. Yeah. Um, my initial go-to would probably be to rehab that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you had it over message, if you had it over phone, even if you had it in person, mm. you're getting a lot firmer now. Yes. So you're restating that conversation and you are making sure that everything is understood mm-hmm. so that that's not where this breakdown of communication is coming from. Mm-hmm. You might need to be a bit more assertive in your communication if you were like adding in all the fluff that we did previously mm-hmm. maybe you're taking out some of that fluff yes. so that they're aware of how serious you are yeah and we're using action-based language and we're using concrete language so mm. it's not i feel like maybe this mm. um we're taking all yeah. of that out it's you are doing x this is unacceptable mm. this is what will happen mm. it's not a i might do this mm. i feel sort of uncomfortable yeah. and it's like, with well, you this can still, I, like i still think there's room to say the feelings thing sure but i think you definitely but need by the, the time the plan. second third yeah, yeah. fourth time you're having this conversation oh, yeah. we're dumbing it down no, 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 absolutely yeah. and it is literally just like a this is what happens mm-hmm. this is how it makes me feel this is the change of behavior i want to see mm. and like if that's a not happening yeah if there's a way for you to change your behavior like if you're actually somehow feeding into this as well this is when you also put those sort of physical barriers up and you start to change your behaviors Mm. um and then i think further than that you need to consider if this relationship or this like construct is helpful anymore yeah um think about the value that it's adding to your life thinking think about you know how important this boundary is are there ways you can change it to keep yourself safe and comfortable Um, and consider whether this person needs to be in your life anymore because you want someone that's going to respect you. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And I think this can be helpful. What can be helpful before going into this is doing, you know how people talk about a post-mortem, doing a pre-mortem on it. So basically what you want to do is you want to sit down and game plan out all of the ways that this might go Mm. And then going, okay, what's the absolute worst case scenario and what am I willing to do and what am I willing to give up Yes. or is it not actually worth that to me? Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you're talking about, um, let's say one of the examples we've used before is that you're trying to give up drinking Mm. and your best mate who you always go out drinking with is devastated by this Mm -hmm. and wants to go out drinking with you and will not let it go, Mm. you then might need to game plan out, okay, worst case scenario is my mate absolutely does not want to stop drinking and needs to be drinking with me Mm. and needs me to be going to all these events where drinking is going to be a big part of it and they are not accepting this boundary at all. Mm. They're not willing to compromise. They're not willing to do other things. Am I willing to not have this person in my life anymore? Mm. Am I willing to lose them? Mm. Because realistically that's where you may end up needing to go Mm. in order to keep that boundary with them because if you've had the conversation with them once twice a few times yeah and they're still saying absolutely not if you're then like not attending those events that they want you to go to and they're still pushing it you might need to actually put your foot down with them and say hey Mm. we're not going to hang around together Mm. until you can accept that this is something that i need to do for my own health and my own life Mm. And it, it's really hard. Yeah. And it is helpful to have that, like, 
pre pre mortem pre mortem. Mm. I think mm-hmm. that's helpful to do, so you really have that idea about what you're willing to what you what you can yeah. accept. Yes, because you might you might think about that and go, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Yes, and so then potentially you actually dial back the boundary. You compromise and you go, yeah. okay, but like I'm having one drink. Yeah, I'll come with you, but like when we go out. I'm not having more than this. You know, like potentially if that's what you've decided when you've gone through all of the scenarios in your head, you might make that choice. But it also is something that like it also could mean you don't hang out with them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you need to work out where that – where the tipping point is for you Mm. and how important that boundary is to you because it also then helps you avoid huge conflicts over stuff that you actually don't care about that much. Yeah. Hopefully you're only having these conflicts over the things that are so important to you that you're like, well, this will cost me the relationship Mm. if you can't be okay with this. Yeah. And I guess like also in those scenarios when – I guess I'm thinking when someone has disrespected a boundary or shown that they're not going to uphold it, Mm. um, even if you do end up flexing because you're not ready to let go of the relationship, Mm -hmm. realistically, most of the time, the relationship dynamic will naturally change because they've shown that they don't respect you. Yeah. So, like, sometimes it actually just will mean that you start to pull back now. You share less with them. Like, yeah. Or you start to see all the other ways in which they disrespect you or violate your boundaries. Absolutely. And you might have a moment of, like, oh, shit. And then, and then maybe that decision comes sooner. Yeah. Like, it might not, but I think sometimes that's also a pattern you see is, like, yeah. when you've set that boundary, you realize how much this person doesn't respect certain areas of your life. Yeah. Naturally, after that breakdown, yeah. it then sort of starts to flow on for itself. Yeah. Yeah. The flip side to that is that you sit down, you do this pre-mortem and I don't know, let's say it's something that's something that's trivial to me is like people taking their shoes off when they come in my house. Right? Yeah, okay. But let's say that that's what we're talking about. Mm. If I sat down and went, hmm, Alicia always wears her shoes in my house when I've been vacuuming. What is the mm. pre-mortem of this? Well, if I bring it up with her, we could end up having an argument about it. And <laughs> Me coming from an Asian household <laughs> who takes their shoes off. <laughs> I was just trying to think of something nonsense. No, I love it. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> and so I might, I would only need to get that far into the pre-mortem to go, I love Alicia mm. and I don't want to have to fight with her. Do I care about shoes that much? No, I do not. <laughs> in fact, at all. So therefore, like, that's not even something that I'm going to bring mm. up because it's not something that I am willing to wear any of the consequences for because it's not something that I care about. Mm. So I think it can be really helpful. Even if there's just something that's like really annoying you, weigh it up against what would be... Like how important is it? Really, Mm. yeah. What what would be the potential consequences of the boundary conversation going badly? Mm. And is it more important than that or not? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So what are some other common challenges people have when trying to set a boundary with someone who is responding negatively to that boundary? Mm. Thank you so much for asking. Yes. So welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think obviously the gaslighting one is really hard to deal with. Mm -hmm. And as we talked about, the vagueness is really hard to deal with. The, you know, saying yes, but then not having any behavior change is hard to deal with. But also having arguments in general mm-hmm. i think it's really hard for most people to deal with which we've already talked about could be very emotionally loaded mm. is a place that a lot of people are likely to go to so what i wanted to talk about is fighting fairly mm-hmm. and also how to recognize when your <laughs> argument opponent is also fighting unfairly okay. and how to deal with these things mm-hmm. because i feel like i'm honestly having a lot of conversations with my friends who 
will be those kind of people that will feel really strongly about something, go into the conversation with the person that they're having this difficulty with and come out all twisted up and have no idea what Mm, happened. mm -hmm. And then they'll unpack it with me later and we'll be able to go, oh, no, that's actually, that's bullshit and that's bullshit and that's Mm. bullshit. And really that person has said nothing of substance but somehow have managed to uh, win the argument. Mm. So I'm going to put my debate queen championship hat on (laughs) and we're going to talk about some of the ways that people can twist arguments on you. Firstly, we're going to talk about thought terminating cliches. Have you ever heard of those before? Absolutely not once. Okay. (laughs) If you were to stab a guess at what a thought terminating cliche is, what do you reckon it would be? Thought terminating cliche is like stopping someone in their tracks with an absolute. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good answer. So essentially it's something that people say in order to dissolve um, cognitive dissonance. Do you know what I mean by cognitive dissonance? Yeah, I think so. Like the... Is it like the di- the mm, the uncomfortable difference between yes. what someone is saying versus what they're doing? It can be that, yeah. That can co- cause cognitive dissonance. It's basically when you like something's not right. It's that feeling of something's not right or some things. These things are not adding up, mm-hmm. but being unable to sort of explain that or voice that for various reasons. So mm-hmm. something that people um, often experience cognitive dissonance about might be like religious theory. Mm. So like if you're a little kid growing up Christian, you're being told that um, God flooded the earth and built an ark mm-hmm. and you as a little kid are trying to work out how every single species of thing fit on one ark and didn't eat each other. Mm. That, my friend, is cognitive dissonance yeah. because what you know to be true about the world is butting up against something that mm-hmm. you're also being like inclined to believe because it's coming from an authority yeah, source right. and you're sort of like this – None of these makes sense. Doesn't super make sense. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. I'm uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it a thought terminating cliche often dissolves that cognitive dissonance, um, and it can be used just to like basically stop an argument without actually having a resolution to okay. the argument. So have faith is an example of a thought terminating cliche. So like often. I'm coming very much from my background as like a staunch atheist being raised in a Christian <laughs> environment. Yeah. You know, if if you asked any questions about theology, mm. you would often be told, oh, well, have faith. Mm-hmm. So basically they're not going to explain it to you. Yeah. You're not going to get any answers. Mm-hmm. They're just going to tell you to have faith and you just have to accept that and move on. Yeah. So you don't actually get any resolution. Mm-hmm. Another one would be you're overthinking it. So instead of validating the person's mm. anxieties or concerns, you're actually just dismissing them and saying you're overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Stop overthinking it. So the problem with that is that not only you're not like validating their feelings or their concerns, you're not even entertaining the idea that they might be valid. Yeah. You know, what if that person has a real genuine concern that could actually come true? Mm. You're not even going to discuss it. And even if it's not valid, they still have the feelings. And I think that if you're in a relationship with someone you give a shit about. You care about their feelings. You would hope. <laughs> even even if it's it's not from the most logical of places. You still yeah. go, that's deeply uncomfortable to feel all those Absolutely. things. I'm so sorry to hear that that's how you're feeling. Yeah. What What's wild to me is... The compassion that we're willing to extend to a drunk person should be the compassion we extend to our friends mm. and romantic partners all the time. Or pets. Or pets. You know, yeah. like your, your dog whines about mm-hmm. something that like mm-hmm. is like unreasonable and mm-hmm. like is totally 
happens every day. Yeah. You best believe you're getting down, you're looking them in the eyes and you're going, hey, honey, <laughs> it's okay. I know it's really frustrating. Yeah. I know this is really scary. We still have to do the thing. Yeah. Like, I know you don't like the medicine, but <laughs> I put it in peanut butter and I tried to lie to you. I'm so sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you best believe that there have been times that I have been drunk and upset about, I don't know, my favorite blanket isn't oh. where I want it to be or something. And the people that are there looking after me have been like, it's okay, honey. Yeah. We're going to work it out. It's like, we're here and with like, you. That is the stupidest thing to be upset about. But in that moment, I am distraught. Yeah. And what do my friends do? They respond to the feeling, mm. not to the rationality of the feeling, mm-hmm. just the feeling yeah. itself. Well, I think it's so important. Like, emotional memory is a really mm. intense thing. And mm-hmm. the way that people respond mm-hmm. to big emotions mm. It shapes how you view them. Absolutely. And how secure you feel with them. And how safe you feel with them. Because even it's something that I remember, go for a slight tangent. I love a tangent. It's like, I remember when we learned about, um, you know, like people who experience dementia. Yeah. Like Alzheimer's. Mm. I remember learning that like from a cognitive point of view, even if they might not have all of their memories anymore, Mm. emotional memories are normally still intact. Yes. And so often like, if they, if you come in and you still treat them, you know, with love and respect and like even yeah. if what they, they're saying they don't really make sense or what you're saying, they don't understand it. As yeah. long as you're still coming in safely and calmly, yeah. when, when you come back later, they yeah. will remember that you were safe and calm. They mm. might not know who you are. Mm. They might not know what you've said. Mm. But their, their emotional memory is likely to be intact. Yeah, wow. And I think that is still quite true yes. for lots of, lots of other scenarios. Absolutely. And we know that when you're in a situation where you're having an argument and your fight flight reflex Mm. is triggered then you don't necessarily have the cognitive capacity to remember all of these things logically so if you've got a long-standing relationship with a person where you have built the security of having all of those emotional memories of scenarios where you were safe and scenarios Mm. where you're secure and scenarios where your emotions were validated no matter what then you're more likely to be less triggered yes. in that scenario. Absolutely. So, like, that's the dream, folks. We love that's that. what we're aiming for. Um, another one might be it's all good or something of that genre. Mm-hmm. So it's all good, everything's fine, those sorts of statements yeah. where it's a vague statement of things are positive, yeah. even though you know it's not. <laughs> like, we're not actually addressing this, but I'm clearly finished having this conversation. Yeah, essentially yeah. you're just ending the conversation without – having come to any resolution. Mm. They said it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, without acknowledging the other person's feelings Mm. or thoughts or, you know, making sure that every party is satisfied and feeling secure. It's just a, we're done. Yeah. So it just dismisses the conversation before it even really started, which, you know, some of these things, sometimes people use this and it's innocuous and yeah. it's fine. Mm. But if you see patterns of people using these types of statements over and over again mm. when you have real genuine issues. Yeah. And to avoid doing like, to avoid using empathy, mm-hmm. to avoid coming down to your level. To, to avoid, avoid doing any emotional work. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's when it's likely to be yes Mm. that's when it's an issue and you know i want you to feel free and empowered to go hey that is not acceptable you Mm. cannot just say it's all good when you haven't listened to my thoughts my feelings i'm still not feeling all good yeah (laughs) i i am not all good so So, yeah you are able to say hey this is actually a bit bullshit because what you're doing is really dismissive Mm. yeah um Oh, fake news is another thought-terminating cliche. (laughs) 
<laughs> just like give me flashbacks to Trump, and I'm like, oh, oh triggered. So triggered. triggered. So triggered. <laughs> Yeah, so this is another one that people will use to basically just not engage in the argument Mm. at all. Um, And when you hear people using these sorts of things, you do then need to weigh up, okay, if I – do I push with this? Because if I push with this and make you have a conversation with me, are you even going to engage with me? Yeah. Because, or is it just going to be traumatic for me? Yeah, because yeah. by using these thought-terminating cliches, they're basically signposting how disengaged they are with mm. this conversation. So you need to weigh up, is this something that I really need to push and make you engage with me? Are you, like, Is it a relationship of that importance where we need to work through this for better or for worse? Mm. Or is it something where I'm just going to let you go and mm. you can exist in your corner of the world and I'm going to exist in mine and never the twain shall meet. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so how are we feeling about thought terminating cliches? I think I understand it. it. Yeah, that makes sense. I've come across it. Incredible. (laughs) What about uh, logical fallacies? Have you heard of logical fallacies before and do you know what they are? I have heard of them because you told me you were going to include them in the so, Correct, I and did. And because I saw the, the front cover of the book that you have. Oh, it's a fun, it's a fun book. It's a very fun I'll book. I'll put it in the show notes. But further than that, no, I don't. Mm, I don't okay. know much about them. That's okay. So, Hannah, so, what are logical fallacies? Why, thank you. I'm so glad you are. <laughs> a logical fla- fallacy is a flaw in somebody's reasoning, um, and it's often like an optical illusion but for words wow so it's it's a trick that people will use to make themselves sound like they're making sense or that they've got a logical argument but they actually don't Mm. and it's very commonly used by politicians (laughs) (laughs) again how it gets political (laughs) um often used by politicians it's often used by, I mean, look, everybody will use logical fallacies at some point or time. Mm. Uh, where it becomes nefarious use of logical fallacies is when you've got somebody who is very good at manipulating and they're using this kind of thing all the time. Okay. So we're going to talk so about... it's not always a bad thing. It's not always a bad thing. No, I mean, it's always incorrect mm. <laughs> because it is a logical fallacy. So it's, it's something that's not true. It's flawed reasoning. Right. Okay. But it's not always harmful. Yeah. Okay. I think is the thing. Um, so I'm going to talk about a few popular ones. I'm ready. <laughs> popular. Most used. <laughs> <laughs> most seen. <laughs> Have you heard of a straw man argument? Because you've mentioned because it mentioned before. It. Okay. Can you define what a straw man argument is for me? Oh, let's see how good my recall is. Um, <laughs> I feel like a straw man argument was something like it's when people try and string up an argument mm-hmm. alongside the argument you're mm-hmm. having. So actually you're arguing with the straw man, yes. not with them. Beautiful. Did I remember it? 10 out of 10. She understood the assignment. Oh I'm graduating boundaries. <laughs> Yeah, so essentially it comes from, like, if you think back in the olden day when people used to, like, train in their armour with their swords, they would have, like, a little straw man strung up that they would then, like, train with if they weren't duelling with mm. actual people, right? So it's the idea that your the your argument opponent may create this straw man, which is a Frankenstein of your argument. It's not your actual argument. It's, like, what they've created to be your argument mm-hmm. and it will be a 
like a caricature of your argument so that they can make their own argument look good and your argument look bad. Right. But the straw man is not actually your argument. It's whatever Frankenstein they've created out of it. So this can often be used in the gaslighty kind of way where they make the argument about something that it's not even about. Mm. So the Christmas example where they were like, oh, so you don't want to come to my family's Christmas because you hate them? Mm. That was never your argument. Your argument was that actually sometimes I want to see my family for Christmas, not just always your family. Mm. You never said that you hate their family. Mm. But by them creating the straw man in which you don't want to spend Christmas with their family because you hate their family, Mm. they've represented you to be a monster, a family-hating monster. And so they can make themselves sound quite reasonable Mm -hmm. by expecting you to come to their family's house for Christmas because the alternative that they've created, the straw man alternative, Mm. is that you hate their family. When actually what you were asking is, are you still coming to my family's Christmas because you agreed on that? Literally. Yeah, okay. Yeah, when you're actually being really fair and reasonable, Mm. you're just like, I love both of our families. Maybe we should spend equal time Mm. over the holidays with both of our families. Well, then in that scenario, like... I want to see if this is sort of like along yeah. the right line. Yeah, yeah. You're sort of then going, no, 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 I don't hate your family. I love your family, like mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so then you actually end up going like, oh, sure, yeah, we can spend Christmas mm-hmm. at your family's place. And then you mm-hmm. leave it and you go, oh, shit. Shit, we're meant to be spending Christmas at my family's place. Yes. And somehow now we're staying at yours yeah. and I said yes. Yes, mm. exactly. And that's how you get twisted around yeah. because you started fighting with the straw man. Yeah. Yeah. That's smart. Isn't it sneaky? That's very it's sneaky. It's so sneaky. It's very sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, straw man. What do you reckon we can do if you're getting confronted with a straw man argument? Bring it back to the original, the original task. Ten points, gold star. Thank you. You so are much. just a champion. <laughs> I love a gold star. Yeah, try as much as you can not to get involved with fighting the straw man. So if they go, oh, what? So you hate my family? Go, no, I never said that. What I did say was, and. You restate what you mm. said word for word, calmly. Just keep restating mm. it. Keep going back to your original point. Do not get drawn into any other arguments around any other thing. And if they bring something up that is valid and you do need to talk about it, you go, cool, you're right, that is an issue. Let's table that mm. and we'll talk about it later. Mm. Right now, mm. I still want to talk about where we're going for Christmas. Yeah, mm-hmm. And then just basically keep roadblocking that and they might try multiple times yeah. they might have just many different varieties like, this is what we're talking about right now yes yeah yeah and it's- i think tone is important as well mm-hmm. like you said like making sure that you're not and it's hard mm-hmm. but trying to make sure that you're not raising to where they're raising to yes. like continuing to almost like almost come sl- like lower and slower yeah than them absolutely if they've come all the way up here then you're coming okay Actually, what I said was like you're slower, you're softer, mm-hmm. like yeah. because you're then also you're trying to con- like, non-verbally communicating to them that their attempts to escalate you are not working, mm. and they're, they're going to have to find a different technique if they want to win this argument because yeah. that avenue is closed for maintenance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, how about the no true Scotsman fallacy? Have you heard of this? No. Okay, do you want to take a stab at what it means? No, true, Scotsman. Um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's okay. A true Scotsman. Maybe it's like you're not a real something. Yeah. Is that is that a thing? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. So essentially it's the argument that, no, like, 
you wouldn't do that if you were a real ex. So no true Scotsman would do whatever it is. Yeah, okay. So, um, like, basically an example might be in our family we always do X or in our family we believe this or Mm. in our family this is really important to us. So, therefore, they're going to bully you into that behaviour or Mm. whatever that is by essentially threatening your existence as part of the in-group and threatening your identity. Mm -hmm. So going, oh, well, you know, you wouldn't do that if you were part of our group. Yeah, okay. If you were a true part of our group. And the reason why this can be so effective is because we all want to be part of the in-group. None Mm -hmm. of us want to be like the lame deer on the outskirts of the pack that gets picked off by the wolves. Nobody wants to be that one. (laughs) We are constantly aiming for connection. So we're constantly aiming for connection to be part of the group. Mm. Um, Yeah. Can you, have you ever seen any examples of this? Yeah. I feel like it's probably a bit more casual than that, Mm -hmm. but like that just the, oh, if you're a true Aussie. Yeah. Then you do a shooey. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. (laughs) I'm a sucker for this one. I always get done for yeah. it. Because yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm very, really strong enough on the other side. Like, it'll be like a soft, like, well, I don't really feel like doing that. And then someone will turn around and be like, well, if you were really our yeah. friend, yeah. you'd drink this whole pint in one go. And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think, like, I'm very much already insecure about being, like, the weird little deer on the outside of the pack. So Include me. <laughs> Honestly, and then I end Don't up leave with the wolves. And I end up drinking a pint with dentures in it, you know? <laughs> the teeth. The teeth. <laughs> yeah, but I guess like in a re- like a in a very serious scenario. Mm-hmm. Um I can't actually think of a situation where I've had that happen, but I can absolutely see the strength behind the argument. Yes. Like yeah. Because as I said, like previously it's been things that I'm not like really that strong on yeah so then it's like yeah sure twist my arm i'll do the thing yeah but like i can see why you know if it's a relationship you value obviously you're gonna go shit well yeah yeah i'll do the thing yeah or even you know it might be something like oh we're in our family we always have our babies baptized at this church or you know like we always i don't know we always spend christmas at this place with this family and Mm. therefore you can't go to your other partner's family for christmas or something like that, you know. Just you've like really any... had some issues with partners and Christmas, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> I'm really fixated on this yeah. one. <laughs> Christmas is really important to me. <laughs> Christmas is very important. Christmas is a stressful time. Yeah. <laughs> Let overwhelming. I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other good examples, but I think that one, like, it's no, no, pretty self-explanatory. No, it does work. Yeah. Um, okay. What about the appeal to hypocrisy? What do you know about that? Um, no, not much. Okay. No, nothing. No, that's fine. <laughs> um, so it's it's pretty self-explanatory, this one. It's essentially saying, will you do that too? Yeah. 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 So you're being hypocritical by trying to call me out for it. So mm. if you're trying to set a boundary with someone like, hey, I've noticed that in these scenarios you use this tone with me and I find that really hurtful. Well, you use that tone when you do blah, 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 blah. Yeah, well, you did that just the other day. Mm. So, you know, and it's basically, it's the argument that two wrongs make a right, which we all know if you pass kindergarten, it doesn't. (laughs) Did you pass kindergarten? (laughs) Did (laughs) you? Because I feel like we learnt three things in kindergarten. We learnt how to apologise, we learnt colour theory, and that two wrongs do not make a right. That is my theory on the entire curriculum in kindergarten. <laughs> Some of you missed it all. 
Some of you did, man. <laughs> oh, and hands to yourself, actually. Four oh, things. Yeah. Yeah. Hands to yourself. Some of us really missed the mm, hands to yourself. Hands out of lesson. your pants as well. Mm, true. Mm. In public, should... hands out of your pants. Yeah, there was quite a lot in the kindergarten yeah, curriculum, actually. Big, so big year. Big it was year. a big year. It's a lot of, lot of learning. <laughs> a lot of learning. <laughs> um sorry yes yes so uh an example of it would be you know if you needed to skip out on an event and a friend got cranky at you they might say well you went to sam's birthday party but you're not going to come to mine Mm. without any understanding of the fact that like yeah when sam's party was i was feeling well and now i'm unwell or now i have these other commitments or it's not reflective life changes yeah it's not reflective of the fact that i care more about sam's party than your party Mm. it's just that heck things are going on yeah um or again yeah like the just because you used a tone doesn't make it right to use a tone with somebody else. You can still take accountability for what you have done wrong while also asking other people not to do it as well. Yeah. You know, don't devolve into the tit for tat. It's never constructive. Yeah. If we can. Mm. Yeah. Uh, argument from consequences. Ever heard about this one? Argument from consequences. Um, I ha- I'm trying to rack my brain, but I, I'm no. any any guesses blank. as to what it means? Argument from consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a consequence, and now we're arguing. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> no, please tell no, me, no. Hannah. No, no, that's okay. So essentially, what it means is that the person does not want to deal with the consequence mm-hmm. of the truth. Mm-hmm. So therefore, they're going to try and make the truth not apply or different okay and that might seem a little bit confusing hmm. how does first. one do this so an example would be let's say politicians don't want to deal with the fact that we need to change the way that we do everything because of climate change right mm. politicians are like oh reducing emissions sounds really expensive and it sounds really hard, hard mm. and i don't want to do that so how about I just say that climate change doesn't exist? Yeah, right. So they'll go, well... Sounds like a myth. If everybody needs to be driving electric vehicles, then, you know, we're going to have to get rid of all the utes. And then what are the tradies going to do? Because the tradies aren't going to have any utes, so therefore we can't possibly have everyone in electric vehicles and climate change is not even really that serious of a problem. Mm. Okay, so this is one that's been playing out a lot. Yeah. Now, the problem with this is that them saying oh, this is too hard to do, doesn't actually erase the existence of climate change. It absolutely does not. Climate change is still going to happen. Again, we're just going to be less prepared. (laughs) We're just going to be less prepared, exactly. So even though the consequence might be hard, might be something that you don't want to deal with, the surrounding truth and the nature of reality is not going to change because you don't want to deal with that consequence. Mm. Yeah. it's a hard truth. Mm. <laughs> and I think it can be like much harder when, it, let's say, it's within a relationship context and the reality is that the relationship is not working and the consequence of that is that you're going to have to break up. Yeah. But neither person wants to admit that. Mm. That is an example where you might be going, no, our relationship does work because if it wasn't, then we'd have to break up and we don't want to do that. So mm. therefore it's working. It's fine. 
it's not actually working. It's not a therefore it's working. It's a this is not working and we don't want to break up. Yeah. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, it it's does. a bit of a hard one to mm. explain. Um, and then the final one that we've got is the appeal to fear. Mm. Can you think of any examples where someone might have done that recently? Um, I don't know what it is, but I'm okay. going to assume appeal to fear is mm. like they find something that they know that you're like mm-hmm. vulnerable to or mm-hmm. anxious about or fearful of yeah. and they make a scenario that makes that really scary for you yeah and seem more likely yeah as well absolutely like so, oh well if you don't do this thing then like this is probably going to happen and they know yeah. that you don't like that second option yes yeah absolutely they know that you don't like this second option and they'll like do whatever they can to obscure the reality that that might be a lot less likely um, and they'll make it seem like it's a much more likely thing to happen. So they might say, if you get the COVID vaccination, then you're going to have a stroke. Mm. And it's like, well, actually, statistically, the chances of having a stroke because of the COVID vaccination are infinitesimal and much lower than female contraception, mm. by the way. And we don't go about that, apparently. And everybody's taken contraception. So I think, mm. actually, realistically, if we assess this rationally, it's not actually a huge fear, but mm. they're using that huge fear line in order to try and, I guess, ride that emotion yeah. into a change. Because I feel like also that might be a one that I'm, I can think of that it helps when you're not too invested in something. Mm-hmm. Like if they use that sort of fear mongering around something that you're not, I don't know, flu vaccines, for example. Yeah. If, if there's people that like don't really have never gotten the flu vaccine yes. and then there starts being rumours that like, well, the flu vaccine will give you weird skin pigmentation or it's been shown to make your left leg shorter Mm -hmm. and you're someone who's like never really taken the flu vaccine Mm -hmm. and you definitely don't want a shorter leg or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) you're more likely to just like be swayed towards that side. Absolutely. Or, you know, something that you haven't had a lot of exposure to. So, you know, let's say you're a poor person living rurally and you've just lost your job and then the your political sphere comes out and goes, it's because of the brown people. You Mm. should be really scared of immigrants and you don't have a lot of information to actually, like, say that that's not true. They're just like, they're stealing all your jobs and you've just lost your job. And Mm -hmm. you're like, shit, did I steal it to all these people who are working harder than me? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's not reflect on the fact that someone who can't speak English and has been through a lot of trauma is apparently better at your job than Mm. you. And let's not reflect on that. Yeah, don't at reflect all. on what that says about you at all. That's this has been fine. a really political yeah. episode. <laughs> We've really taken a stand on a lot of things. <laughs> um, the other thing to know about the appeal to fear is that it can also take the form of the slippery slope. Mm-hmm. So has anyone ever said that to you? Do you have a familiarity with what the slippery slope is? I guess my concept of the slippery slope would just mm-hmm. be like it's a it's a quick fall down the hill. Yeah. So, you know, well it's it's first it's I feel like they use it with drugs a lot. Like, mm. first it's weed and, and then it's meth. Yeah, it's a gateway drug. It's a gateway drug and yeah. then you're going to be shooting heroin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that sort of the slippery slope? Absolutely, that's mm. the slippery slope. Like, so- like in, um, oh, God, I'm going to forget what it is. The dancing movie. Oh, what's it called? Dirty Dancing? No. The one they ban music and dancing. Footloose. Like, Footloose, yeah. yeah. Like it's, I feel like it's sort of that sort of thing. It's like, we can't dance because then you're going to have sex. Yeah. Like, it's a slippery slope to having sex. <laughs> 
Absolutely, it's that <laughs> argument. And okay. another example would be during marriage equality, they were saying, well, we can't let the gays get married because next thing people will be marrowing dogs. Marrowing. Marrowing. <laughs> I'll be marrowing them. Oh, God, that does actually sound bad. Maybe we made a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Is that? That's absolutely. Yeah. I remember yeah. hearing that. Like, yeah. What? Then we're going to have to marry the animals. Yeah. Like- and, you know, that's an actually kind of interesting uh, combination of slippery slope and straw man mm. argument where they've, like, Taking we the weren't slippery talking slope. about dogs. We weren't even talking about it. Exactly. Mm. They've taken the slippery slope and going, oh, you should be afraid because it's a slippery sl- slope down to the straw man argument. Yeah. Of the ridiculous thing. Look at these people combining See? their logical Ooh, fallacies. They do. They do. Sneaky. Sneaky manipulators. Too late. We got the marriage <laughs> equality vote. <laughs> 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 so what do we do? When we think that somebody is using one of these logical fallacies or a combination thereof because they're a master manipulator. Okay. I've got some ideas. Mm -hmm. You tell me how they land. I love it. So my first thought is like we've pre-prepared our conversation a little bit. Yes. So we've got our points that we Mm -hmm. try and come back to. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing is like asking for like a time of reflection, I Mm -hmm. guess. Like if you have a conversation, you start to get a bit muddled. Yes. You, You just ask. You go like, hey, I'm... I want to have this conversation again. Yeah. I need to like regroup on my thoughts. Yeah. And then you come back and you have the chat with your like accountability buddy or someone that you, you trust, like someone that you would take advice from. Yeah, absolutely. Like you go to them and you go, Hey, this conversation happened. I got muddled. These things happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you just get another perspective that validates mm. likely what's going on for mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. so that you also know it's not just your brain thinking the things they're also agreeing with you. Yeah. And then, trying again i guess Mm. just like not buying into like and then being more aware of like no you tried to do that last time we're talking about this thing Mm -hmm. absolutely Mm. yeah i agree any other things i think just knowing knowing about them for a start really helps and that's why i wanted to talk about them because i think if you know about them and the ways that these logical fallacies or the thought terminating cliches Mm. work you can start to recognize them when people are using them Mm -hmm. and if you can recognize them then you can call people out for using them yes um so i think that's important very important yeah because you can actually like start to see it happening and then you know what to counter them with so Mm. with the straw man you know how to bring it back each time Mm. how to bring it back to what you're actually talking about with the no true scotsman one approach that i quite like is actually just getting really sincere with them so Mm. if they go like oh if you were a true mate you would drink with us i like to go hey you know i'm a true friend Mm. i let you crash on my couch when you broke up from your girlfriend you wouldn't stop crying for three Mm. weeks and i fed you food every single one of those days you know I'm a true mate. Mm. I don't need to do this. And then usually people get really uncomfortable because they realise that they've just been an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Or they don't actually want to engage in the sincerity of that conversation so they'll leave it the fuck alone. Um, So I think like calling attention to the fact that you know if they really care about you that they're not about to out you from that in-group just Mm. because you're not actually agreeing to do whatever behaviour it is. Mm -hmm. Um. With the appeals to hypocrisy, again, we just use the kindergarten line of no two wrongs make a right. Mm. You know, you can just use that with them. And and also, like, being able to take accountability and mm. ownership Own for what you for have. The things that, yeah. yeah, so that if they go, well, you used that tone with me last week, you go, yeah, you know what, Alex, you're right, and I'm really sorry that I did yeah. that. That wasn't right of me. Mm. We should both try and do better in the yeah. future. And it really doesn't leave them anywhere to go. Yeah. Um, 
And then the argument from consequences. This one can be challenging because often you're having it with people that might be kind of radicalized. You, I guess, can come back to empathizing with the person that you know that the consequence is really hard. It's Mm. something that you're both not wanting to deal with. Try and use facts as much as you can. Like the Um, evidence is pointing towards. Yeah. And and just coming back to the idea that even though we don't want to do this thing or this solution and, or even though there is no perfect solution, it doesn't make the problem not true. It doesn't make the problem not go away. So we do need to deal with this as tricky as that may be. Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, depending on how radicalised that person is, depending on the intensity of the emotional investment in that conversation, you'll either get traction there or you won't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the appeal to fear, this one has been a challenging one that I think a lot of society in general has been struggling to deal with because we've seen so much of mm. it over, you know, marriage equality, over COVID. Mm. Uh, you know, it's become a huge part of our political arena. Mm. And so it's quite a common slogan. It is. Yeah, it is. So this one's a really challenging one to deal with. But I think, you know, all of those tips you just mentioned in terms of, you know, taking a break. So you're reducing the emotional intensity Mm. of it, chatting about it with your accountability buddies so that you've got some sort of validation for Mm. where your feelings are at. And then also actually trying to sit down and write down if this works for you or talk it out with someone, what is the likelihood of what this person is actually saying mm. to occur? It's almost like do the research yourself. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like stick to what you know. Mm. Make sure you expand your understanding as much as you can. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, but also doing the assessment of, you know, is this actually likely? Because I could mm. sit here right now, almost like your anxiety management tools, mm. you know, because I could sit here right now and go, well, you know, we can't do star jumps because what if that causes an earthquake? Mm-hmm. Let's actually sit down and calculate what the likelihood is yeah. of this particular area in Australia having an earthquake because mm. somebody did a star We're jump. not on a fault line. Uh, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so, like, not every moment in our lives needs to be, like, the butterfly effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and even if it is, also have a look at, like, the worst case scenario that yeah. they're putting down the bottom of that slippery slope. To be honest, I don't really care if somebody decides to marry a dog, <laughs> you know? If they're both consenting and happy, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Do what you want. <laughs> you heard it give first. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. So I think, yeah, just like having a knowledge of all of those helps you work out how to actually counter them. Hmm. Yeah. Amazing. Well, and thank you for teaching me about so logical fallacies. No worries. Anytime. I think this pretty much wraps up our boundaries episode. It does. Our boundary series. Series. Yeah. The final episode of the boundary series. Mm. Um, if anyone has any questions related to boundaries, mm-hmm. anything that this has brought up for you, feel free to send us an email through. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I hope that you, I hope you learn alongside us. Yeah. Or even if you wanted to do like an agony aunt, like send us a send situation. Send us a story. Send us a story, a situation, mm. and we'll chat about it and yeah. see if we can work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a plan. Cool. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Stay safe. Stay sane. Stay sexy. Bye. Bye. Okay, folks, that's all we have for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please remember to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference and helps new people find us so that we can continue bringing you this quality content. 
If you would like to leave us any feedback, ask questions or suggest future topics, you can contact us via email at here2fckspiders at gmail or you can stay in touch and hear about all our latest updates on Instagram at here2fckspiderspodcast. If anything that we have discussed in this episode is distressing for you, we will leave some crisis numbers in the show notes. Please do not hesitate to use these numbers if you need them. Some alternatives might be support services that are relevant in your area or even a trusted friend or family member. Alicia and I would like to thank you once again so much for all your support and also extend our thanks to those people that support us in the background. You know who you are. Okay, we hope you have a lovely day and be kind to yourselves.